Uh, it's really challenging. Um, I find that rather than having actually a balance, it just like pendulums back and forth. At like one time, I'm just really living my teaching artist life and not getting to do as much creatively, or then it becomes I'm doing a lot more creatively and then I am not teaching as much at those times. You're listening to The Teaching Artist. A podcast made for teaching artists by teaching artists. I'm Jacqueline Raymond. And I'm Chris Giordano. On today's episode of The Teaching Artist, we hear from four teaching artists about maintaining an artistic career and a career as a teaching artist. Like our guests, many teaching artists struggle maintaining parallel careers and end up making sacrifices in maintaining both. We hear their ups and downs and what has worked for them to be satisfied in both. Incidental music for this episode is titled Black Girl Magic, sung and composed by teaching artist Miss Dale Novella Anderson. Stay tuned! Hi, my name is Annalisa Ledson, and I'm a musical theater and dance teaching artist, and I've been a teaching artist for five years. Our first guest, Annalisa Ledson, describes how she's been able to balance the two just by the time of day her opportunities occur. Um, it's, it definitely has been a beneficial shift in terms of like from shifting away from making money out from the service industry. I mean, when I don't have residencies, I still have to work at the restaurant, but, um, in just in terms of schedule, like the, most of my teaching artist stuff is during the day and then I can rehearse at night. Um, so that's really maintained a balance that's, um, positive. And so then that way I'm still able to run my dance theater company and um, work for other companies, um, choreographing or performing. So, In terms of scheduling, it seems planning in advance her artistic commitments is how she balances the two careers. But she finds there's always a sacrifice. Oh, sacrifices. Oh, so many. There is an element of having control over your schedule so that, like, if I know I have a show coming up in a certain month, I can say I won't be able to. I know I'm going to be in tech these days, so I, won't, I can't teach those days. So I think because of that, I haven't had to. It's hard to say, though. I mean, I'm sure because it is a job and it's like how I make my money, I do prioritize it in a way that's different. So there probably has been a time that I could have like gone off and been in a show somewhere else. And I was like, no, I have to stay here and teach. It's always a balance of, of the back and forth. For example, I have a show coming up in like two weeks. And it was like I was able to finagle the tech so that it was during the day. I would only have to miss one class of an after school, and then I'd be able to like get there in time for the for another class. And I think that the the sacrifice and it sounds kind of insignificant because it's like no, well you got to you know that was a balance. So, so the compromise you balanced it out. There is an element where a little little bit of each area can suffer on days like that because you're not fully in it. You're worrying about the train. You're worrying about getting there. Part of your mind is still at tech when you're with the kids. And vice versa, then you're with the kids and, um, you know, then you're at tech and you're thinking about the lesson plan. So I think that in that way, it's, it ends up being fun. And that's like a skill that I feel like I have improved on 
in terms of the balancing, but it's little things throughout the day where it's like, you have to remind yourself, like, who am I here for? Why am I here? And then there's some days where you're just like, I, I'm going to end class early or like, I have to, I have to do what's right for me in this moment. And then other days it's like, all right, I'm going to, you know, really spend my whole day thinking about these kids and how I can best serve them. And, you know, whatever that means where it's like making a prop or doing, you know, so that it's, you can find ways to, to balance it out, but it's not, not a perfect, uh, scenario always. <laughs> Look at these hands, they shape the whole world. You're looking at magic. Look at these legs, look at these thighs, holding up the whole world. But you can't handle it. Our next guest, Elizabeth Leonard, describes what art form she's balancing and the perk of balancing them for a while. There's a perk? There is! Hi, my name is Elizabeth Leonard. My artistry is writing, and I've been a teaching artist for eight years now. Um, I, so to me, like my trifecta <laughs> is like writing, editing, and teaching artist work. So that's the balance that I'm trying to strike um, and sort of divide the week in three like that. That's, I'm not quite there yet, but that's mm. sort of what I've been working toward, and that's sort of like this year has been working out. And when you're doing it for a while, you can start to say, no, I'm sorry, I can't work that, I can't teach that day, you know? Uh, which is nice to be able to have the opportunity to turn down work, of course. One way Elizabeth feels she can balance her parallel careers is by creating adult workshops close to her home. So I do some volunteer work where I'm leading workshops for adults, um, and I've done like trainings and things for adults, but I haven't taught writing specifically for adults, and I am interested in doing that as well. Um, and so I would like to be able to start like writing workshops that are sort of more local to me because I live in New Jersey um, and have like different options where there are, there's like a generative workshop where we're just sort of writing together and generating writing. Um, I could lead a poetry workshop, I could lead a fiction workshop, since I do both. Hi, my name is Megan McPhee. I'm a teaching artist in music, dance, drama, musical theater, improv, and I've been teaching for five years. Like Elizabeth, our next guest, Megan McPhee, uses the physical look to her advantage. Uh, ah, location, location, location. I've found what works for me, and I've also tried to have commitments that are around, my artistic commitments are close to my teaching artist commitments, literally in proximity in the same neighborhood, so I'm able to do that. Like, I work at the Metropolitan Opera as an actor, and after rehearsal or a performance, I shoot across the street to the West Side Y, where I'm also a teaching artist. So that really helps having certain jobs in a condensed area and I'm also a voiceover artist and that's really wonderful because I can I have a studio at home that I can work from I you know those auditions aren't as time-consuming as some theater auditions so that has been wonderful to work that lifestyle into being a teaching artist 
um, and also just creating your own projects that as an artist you always have to be self-generating so I wrote a web series and I produced the web series and now it's doing like the festival circuit so it's all been New York based I haven't really left town for maybe four years or so I've mostly done theater or performing opportunities in New York and I do think that that is a challenge if you do out-of-town gigs and being a teaching artist because a lot of these organizations want a commitment from you which is understandable since kids consistency is really important with working with students. Many teaching artists make job decisions that can affect both careers. Megan recalls a decision she made regarding either going to an audition or interviewing for a teaching artist job. There were I, I distinctly remember I had an audition for, it was an appointment for a regional theater, and um, I had an, a like, second interview for an organization that I currently work for. It actually is wonderful. It uses creative arts methods to foster social and emotional learning. It's called Move This World. I'll shout it out because I love the organization. But I had like my second interview for it and I turned down this appointment because I really felt passionate about this organization. And I always thought like, oh no, did I was I turning down more acting opportunities to go this route? But it felt right in the moment and I'm so so grateful that I went to that second interview because I've been working for that company for I guess maybe two and a half, three years now. And so it's been some of the most meaningful work I've done. So I just don't regret making that choice. And I could have gone to that audition and never heard from them ever again. So <laughs> you just never know. As teaching artists, we often have to work survival jobs to make ends meet, to support our residencies and artistic opportunities. Annalisa describes the many costumes she wears in a day and the benefit of wearing the teaching artist's costume and thinking about art all day. I do think that there's a, a really strong benefit to spending your day thinking about art rather than thinking about how am I going to be making money, How like the hustle element of it. There is a hustle element of teaching artist work where you're like, get me that residency, but I think that... <laughs> There's, um, once you are teaching, then you're just thinking about like, you know, choreographing for the kindergarten class. And then, um, you know, what is a more interesting way to address like this traditional musical theater song? How can I make this um, relevant for these students? And so then when you're using that part of your mind, then when you go into rehearsal, it's that much easier and you're like that much more energized rather than if you've been, you know, serving brunch and like, oh, why didn't I get a better tip for this? And like, then you're not in that mindset and you're, um, it's that much harder to then shift gears and like really crank yourself into it and that like creation mode. I thought about doing like a one woman show of like the various uniforms that I've had to wear and like in a day, like putting on like the polo shirt and the khakis and like serving by the pool and then like that night changing to then put on like the polyester shirt I had to wear at the other restaurant and then going to rehearsal and being like, okay, now I can wear normal people clothes. And that like, even just that, like these costumes that you're forced to wear then like affect you and it affects how you work as an artist. Whereas when you're teaching, I can wear the same clothes the whole day because I'm like moving and dancing the whole day. Um, and that it sounds superficial, but I think that there is code switching, right? So it's like, instead of using this voice where you're like, hi, what can I get for you? 
I mean, the teaching voice, I obviously have a variety of teaching voices depending on what <laughs> needs to happen. Um, but the teaching voices are more close to the choreography, like working with professional voices where it's like, this is what we need to do. Here's the plan for today. Here we go. Our last guest, Colling Pictor, started as a teaching artist but transitioned into a full-time DOE dance teacher. As a full-time teacher now, she feels she's not keeping up her game as a dancer, the same as she would as if she was still pursuing a dance career. Hi, I'm Colleen Pictor. I am a dance teaching artist, and I've been a dance teaching artist for four years. I mean, well, especially for dance, like... Really, if you're like in performance condition, you should be taking class every day and training every day. And like, I definitely am not doing that. So I guess you would say that's a sacrifice. I feel very fulfilled in the job I have now. So in a way, it doesn't feel like a sacrifice. But definitely my performing, yeah, the level of like rehearsal or practice or upkeep, whether it's your vocal instrument or for dancers, your physical instrument has definitely been sacrificed. You just can't rehearse like or take class like that. Before working with the DOE, Colleen was maintaining her careers as a dancer and teaching artist. However, she realized she may never be financially stable as a dancer. When I was like more in the heart of my performing career, I was working seven different jobs and like not just teaching artists, like being a waitress, like lots of different things, being like a, a admin. Um, and so I just was craving some sort of like way to like mesh it together and find something that had more meaning in my life. And I fell into this program that just, uh, the Lincoln Center Scholars Program that ended up doing my certification for free. So it just was like a really great opportunity and we had to get placed somewhere to like finalize that process. And then after doing that, um, I just really did fall in love with the school that I was placed at and that was it. No, not so much. I, th I mean, maybe, I think it is different in the dance and theater communities. Like, I think very rarely can you, like, actually sustain yourself as a full-time dancer, even if you're, like, in, like, one of the top companies. I had, I was working as an administrator for one of those companies, like, behind the scenes, and I just remember, like, a part of what I did was deal with payroll, and I just was like, wow, this is what I would have dreamed, like, the mecca of my, like, career goal to be. But it wouldn't, that's, like, not enough money to sustain me. Like, I would still have to work a second job, even if you're, like, at the height of, like, our field. Like, one of the best companies in the modern dance area, and, like, not, wouldn't be enough for me. So that was really just disheartening, and I felt very jaded after that. When Colleen decided to maintain only a teaching career, she struggled with it for her first few months. When I decided to switch from like a traditional teaching artist role to being like a resident artist in a school where I then was like responsible for being a DOE teacher and getting that certification and that became much more educational intensive versus artistic and so I did have to let my creative side go a little bit. When I first started teaching full-time, it was just like so different than anything I had ever done before that it was really draining and there was no time for me to do, like ba barely like was I even eating correctly or sleeping correctly or doing anything. So I definitely wasn't creating. So 
just like time and energy was getting depleted. Yeah. It was really hard. And I think being an artist is a very special kind of person. And it's hard for people to really understand what that means to be an artist. And the traditional like school culture is not necessarily that. So it was like a lot of conflict that way. But I just kept waking up every day and like somehow made it through that point and here I am. If you're teaching all the time, when can the artist side of you get some TLC? Turns out Colleen has found how to make that time. Summer vacation, I guess, like being really honest, like then suddenly I have two months where I'm still getting a paycheck and I have like all this time and absolutely no responsibilities. So that was a chance for me to both recover and then to like create a bound, like abundantly. ago I said I want 100% of my income to come from creative endeavors and that could be teaching and acting but I don't want any other like side hustles that don't involve that and I worked really hard and I got 100% of my income coming from that between like teaching voiceover um, working at the Met uh, you know random showcase contracts that fulfilled me artistically but didn't fulfill my bank account (laughs) Um, whatever it may be but um, I think each year setting like a goal for yourself, that's what's worked for me of saying, okay, I'm, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. And then you're checking some big milestones off your list and learning in the process. 100% income from the arts? Sounds like a dream. Megan shares what works for her by setting the goals she wants to achieve in her parallel careers. Well, I actually, I took this amazing class called the PATH class, which sounds really culty, but it's not. It's amazing. And it's, um, it is a goal setting program and it actually has you line up everything by the year and then you work backwards from month to month and then you look at your monthly goals and then you go into like weekly and daily. So I have, um, several different tracks that I have goals in. Like I think this year my tracks are my legit acting career, uh, finances, community contribution after the election I decided that needed to be a track and um and what is the other one? Oh, my commercial and voiceover track so I have goals within those tracks so I try to really I'm a kind of old school write in a planner type lady so I like to have my goals written down and just be benchmark checking things off and taking daily actions towards what I want. Some of the actions are usually things, well, so Mark Twain talks about eat a frog for breakfast, and what it means is there are certain things on your list that feel like frogs, like you don't want to do them. Um, they're like the things that maybe fear is in your way and you don't wanna, you don't wanna tackle them, but if you eat it for breakfast, like if you do it right in the morning, then you feel empowered and you can, and you can carry on with your day. So. Um, your actions are the things that you really need to be held accountable for. So some of those things might be like going over these sides, going over these monologues, those things that are dusty on the shelf that need help and, um, or reaching out to this person, you know, have a coffee date with this person that intimidates me, but I think they're like a boss lady, (laughs) um, and really trying to, just hold myself accountable. I'm a community person, so I kind of need a group of people and I'm saying, guys, hold me accountable to this. I'm doing this this week. And I never stand down. I always walk 
tall, got my sisters on my side every time I fall. I never thought I'd win, didn't know where to begin, but I'm shooting for three points every morning. You can eat on my With all of our guests, their best advice on how to maintain parallel careers is to make time to be creative and time to relax a priority. Yes, preach. Preach. That I really like plan out my time and that I choose to like carve away time that I know is going to be creative time for me. And so whether that's like, okay, on Friday, I have to leave work by like 2.30 and like go to the, and I've rented space somewhere already. And just when I get there, I'll figure out whatever I'm doing. That's fine. But that I, that I like front load that for like two or three months to come, that that time is carved out for me or that I acknowledge like, oh, it's my family does a lot around like Christmas. So I'm not going to be as creative for those two weeks or whatever, but that I've like kind of plotted it out. So what I've done in the last year or two is save one day for just writing, or I do like freelance work, um, like freelance editing, but I save that one day and I don't do any teaching artist work on that one day. And I try also not to do any teaching artist work on the weekend. I save the weekends. Sometimes I'll do writing or like freelance editing on the weekends because I have to. Um, but I won't do any planning. I won't, you know, do any of that so that the weekends are mine. So I'm like taking care of myself and still having a life. It's absolutely necessary, especially if you're, you know, you're on your feet. It's almost like performing. If you're in front of a few classes, uh, you have to be positive. You have to be exciting, you have to be cheerful. Yeah, and then you're, you know, running from one school to the other, sometimes from the opposite ends of the city. Um, so yeah, you have to definitely take care of yourself. I think both teaching and whatever sort of art discipline you are are probably like two of the fields that are most grounded in being a human. And that sometimes it can be like you're so busy teaching or you're so busy creating that I even just like forget to see like my friend, or you know, you don't have time for like whatever, basic human connection or relaxing, any of those things. And that when I like step back and like, you can't pour from an empty cup. When I step back and like fill whatever I need, then I like do both of those jobs infinitely better. Special thanks to Annalisa Letson, Elizabeth Leonard, Megan McPhee, and Colleen Pictor for sharing their stories. Incidental music for this episode is titled Black Girl Magic, sung and composed by teaching artist Miss Dale Novella Anderson. Our logo design was created by teaching artist Philippe Galindo. For more information about the Teaching Artist Podcast, visit our website. And if you liked today's episode, hit the subscribe button, rate, and comment on iTunes. This episode was produced by me, Chris Giordano. And me, Jacqueline Raymond. Until next time. Bye! Bye!